Dr. John Talley is our commencement speaker for our 41st commencement uh, class. He has served our country for four years as a chaplain during the Vietnam War, and was, where he was highly decorated for his service. For many years, he served as president of Southeastern Bible College here in Birmingham. He has taught in various places for over 31 years in Bible colleges and seminaries, preparing young people to serve the Lord. He's pastored for seven years and has served as interim pastor various times. He's married to his wife, Betty, here today, who also has a Ph.D. in education. The Tallies have four sons, one in heaven, and two who are pastors, and a third who is serving the Lord in full-time ministry. Dr. Talley loves the Lord and his word, and he and Betty serve the Lord here as members at Glen Iris, and we're honored to have him bring the commencement address today. Pastor Lamb, Dr. Mears, faculty, graduating senior, family, and friends, I'm honored to be able to speak today and share with you some words that I think might be helpful in the days to come. I want to look at two passages today. When we're in a Christian school, automatically you move and gravitate toward the Word of God for a commencement address. And that's what I want to do today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read these words, and this is just kind of preparatory to what I want to say. It says in verse 11, uh, that, uh, well, I've got to find it. Here it is. No man, uh, no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is Christ Jesus. No foundation but that one which is already laid, Christ. Now, the text goes on to tell us uh, that we're to build on that foundation with either gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble. And they will be tried by the fire. And, of course, the wood, hay, and stubble is burned. The gold, silver, and precious stones remain. And the person who exercises those kinds of activities based on the foundation of Christ receive a reward. And my understanding is that reward or rewards, when we get to heaven, give us a certain status within the kingdom of God. And I want to say to you today, Emily, to family and friends, that uh, we need to build a life on Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, what does that mean? The foundation of Christ. We're to build our life on Christ. Well, as I've studied the word, I've got three questions that have entered into my thinking to help me understand. One, who is he? Two, what has he done for us? And three, what does he expect of us? Well, who is he? He's God of very God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with us, was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Then the text says, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Answer to the question, who is he? He is very God who became a man so that he could substitutionarily uh, take care of our sin problem. That's who he is. What has he done? I've already mentioned it. He died for our sins. 
What does he expect of us? Well, in order to answer that question, I'd like to go to the passage that I'm going to spend the remainder of my time on. And that's a very familiar passage. I love to deal with passages nobody ever preaches on. And I love to preach on passages that you've heard a sermon over 150,000 times and if you memorized the passage and all the rest. But sometimes I like to think that maybe each of us as we study can make a new contribution to the understanding of the passage. I want you to turn with me if you've got your Bible. I don't think that most of you do. But if you do, I'm in... Psalm 23. You can quote it. I bet you Emily can quote it. I bet many of you in this room can quote the psalm. It's a favorite of many. Let me just express it to you, read it to you, and express to you what I think is some significant information from the text about God in light of the fact that I am to build my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Here's what the text says. The Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? Well, he's the one who provides for me. He's the one that guides me. He's the one that protects me. That's what shepherds do. And God is our shepherd. And then the text says, I shall not want. Now, here's what I want you to see. David gives us his doctrinal statement, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, Logical conclusion, I shall not want. Why? Because he's the shepherd that's going to take care of me. Then he goes on to explain or illustrate what it is that God provides. And he covers four significant areas. Notice, in verse 2, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He takes care of my physical needs, food and thirst-quenching water. The second thing he does, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What does he do? He takes care of my spiritual needs. He feeds me, but he also takes care of me spiritually. Then when I get to... Uh, to uh, Verse 4, and even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He takes care, watch it, of my emotional needs. And then in verse 5, he says, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You take care of my social needs. The Lord is my shepherd. That's my theology. Logical conclusion, he takes care of all of my needs. Spirit, uh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, as well as socially. Then David says, Surely goodness and, mer- and loving kindness or mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's David's devotion. Listen to me. Doctrine is supposed to lead to devotion. And when we understand the text that says God is my shepherd, he's going to take care of me, then automatically my entire life ought to revolve around the fact that the Lord's going to take care of me. So therefore, 
I should worship him. Now, there's the text. That's my message. I could sit down right now, but I'm not going to. There's a couple of thoughts I would like to share from each one. First, he talks about our physical needs. Emily, people of this world are scared to death. They're not going to have enough. And they're also addicted by what I call wealth addiction. Get it, get it, get it, more, more, more. What does the text say? The answer to all of that kind of thing is, hey, God's going to take care of you. To use a cliche, cool it. (laughs) In Matthew chapter 6, he puts it this way. Don't be anxious for your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or for your body, what you're going to put on. He goes on to explain about the birds and the lilies of the field and so on. And so he says, if he's going to take care of me, stop worrying about it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. What a relief to life to be able to say, I have a God who cares for me and will provide for me throughout my life. That doesn't always mean you have everything you like. My wife and I have eaten tomatoes and potatoes for quite some time and didn't have any other diet, but we had food. Amen? Now, the second one, spiritually, he said, he leads, he uh, restores my soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 puts it this way. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. So no matter what's going on, what's about to destroy me in the opinion of many, many others, I am restored and renewed from the inside by a God who witnesses to me that he loves me and he's going to take care of me. Not only does he restore my soul, but he guides me in the past of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I started to write down, I did, as a matter of fact, write down a whole list of things that we're not supposed to do or we're supposed to do. I'm not going to go over that because the more I think about it, the more I think that people in this room already know what those things are. But he leads leads us in the path of righteousness. Now, why does he do that? The text graduate says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, for his glory. And the point is, as he takes care of me and restores my soul and meets my spiritual needs, I'm to do it recognizing I'm bringing glory and honor to him. That's why he made us. We're here to honor him and represent him before the world. But it not only tells us that it honors God, but do you remember over in Psalm 1, blessed, happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in way of sitting or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Happy is that man who meditates on the law day and night. Feed upon the word of God is what the text is telling us. Why? Because not only will it give glory to God, but it'll be good for us. It'll bring a life of happiness. 
Does that mean we're not going to have down times and sadness and disappointment? I think not. The rest of the scripture talks about that as well. But as we look back over our lives, and that's where my wife and I are now, in the latter years, and we look back and we say, Emily, and I want this to be true for you. It's been good to walk with God. Physical needs, spiritual needs, but also emotional needs. Notice the text. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We all go through difficult times. I remember when my dad died. What a time that was for me. I remember when our son Timothy, the pastor mentioned, went to be with the Lord. He's buried up in Petersburg in Virginia. Oh, what a difficult time that was for us. But the text is telling us, though we go through those difficulties, even to a, bad, a valley of the shadow of death. His rod, his staff, his presence in our lives comforts us. The pastor mentioned there was a chaplain in Vietnam. I was with the 1st Infantry Division. I can't get away from it. It's part of who I am. On November the 7th in 1967, I thought I was going to die. I should have died. I was laying on the ground and I could see shells from AK-47s cutting blades of grass and thinking, if I stick my hand out a little bit further, it'd blow it off. Or standing up behind a rubber tree and hearing the bullets run up and down the tree. They weren't shooting at people around me. They were shooting at me. I thought I was going to die that day. But may I say to you, was I frightened? Yes. Was I frightened to the point I couldn't function? No. And that's what the talk, text is talking about here. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Emily, I want that for you. And if you'll follow the text and let the Lord Jesus be the foundation of your life, that's what you'll experience. Then in verse 5, it's overwhelming to me. Verse 5 reads this way. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anointest my head with oil. My cup is running over. Not only does he take care of my physical needs, my, my spiritual needs, my emotional needs, he takes care of my social needs. The interesting thing to me in this text is that the text says he has a banquet and I'm the honored guest or you're the honored guest and he invites our enemies to the banquet. And then in front of all of our enemies, God anoints us, either priest or king. And the idea here is you get a position of leadership over your enemies. Why? Because God's working in your life when you follow him. Does that make sense? So the text ends this way. This is what David says of, as he looks at all of that. 
The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He's going to take care of all my needs. Emily, he's going to do that for you if you'll trust him. Then in verse 6, surely, comma, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His doctrine leads to his devotion. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The text here in the English reads, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Well, if you go back up to verse 3, he restores my soul. It's the same Hebrew word. So when we translate it that way, it takes on new meaning for us. He restore, I will be restored in the house of the Lord. As I'm returning to the house of the Lord throughout the length of my days, he restores me, he refreshes me, and he sustains me for the rest of life as he wants it to be in our lives. 2015, Emily, this is your day. I urge you from the bottom of my heart to make the Lord Jesus Christ of your life. And that means you're going to look to him to provide all of these needs. And as a result, you're going to live a life of worship and adoration to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May it be so, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.